The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, I love this show because we're going to be talking about how to be calm and how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less. Don't we all want to be able to do that? And I am thrilled because we do have a great guest, Doug Knoll, who I have met many years ago and have known him as a wonderful mediator and a great author. He is joining us from Northern California, and he has a a tremendous background. Doug Knoll, J.D., N.M.A., left a successful career as a trial lawyer to become a peacemaker. He's an award-winning author, teacher, trainer, and highly experienced mediator, and his work carries him from the international arena to helping people resolve deep interpersonal and ideological conflicts. He co-founded the Prison of Peace in 2009. We're going to find out about that. And this is already integrated into 10 California prisons and is continuing to be adopted in prisons domestically and internationally. So this wonderful book is called De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. So I'm excited to talk with you. I love this book, Doug. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Mari, it's great to talk to you again. You know, people wonder about mediators. You know, they're always asking, you know, what is that? And, um, you know, especially a litigator like you and like me, turning a peacemaker, that sounds like a contradiction in terms. And people say, what do you mean you're a peacemaker? That A peacemaking lawyer? That sounds like an oxymoron. Uh, tell about that. What, what does it mean to be a uh, lawyer and a peacemaker? Well, I'd rather talk about peacemaking first. Being a lawyer is simply a professional background, like being a doctor or an architect. Uh, it may it gives you some professional background if you're mediating litigated disputes, but is of absolutely no use <laughs> if you're mediating contentious and intractable non-litigated disputes, which is what I mostly mediate. So um, the real focus is on helping de-escalating people and helping them solve their problems. I don't solve problems for people, but I do get them calmed down. And usually when they get calmed down, they can solve their own problems through a guided process. Right. And that's basically what the job of the peacemaker is, is to get, get people to the table, calm them down, and get them talking to, to find ways to conciliate themselves. Right, right. 
when you're hot and angry and frustrated and totally into your emotions, you know, it's it's pretty hard to even think about resolving the conflict, right? So that's that's what your book is all about, is how to get them to to do that. And I love it. So let's um, let's talk about the fastest way, since you talk about how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds or less. Let's talk about the fastest way to de-escalate an argument or conflict to get them to calm down. The fastest way to do it is through a process known as affect labeling. And that requires you to do three things. Now, it's very easy to talk about these three things. It takes a little bit of practice and courage to uh, start doing it. But the, the three steps are, number one, ignore those angry words. You need to ignore the words because, one, the words don't mean anything in this moment for mm-hmm. the next 30 to 45 seconds. Two, the words are going to trigger you and get you mad so that you can't be of any use to anybody. <laughs> and three, you need to fill up the, you need to uh, free up bandwidth in your brain so that you can pay attention to more important information, which is really the emotional information. Right. So number one, ignore the words. Number two, guess at the emotional experience that angry person is having in the moment. And obviously if they're angry, anger is there, but there are actually six layers of emotions, and anger is usually a superficial um, almost always a superficial emotion. There's usually something much deeper than that. So you guess at the emotions. And if, you, if you're quiet inside yourself and you're not, you don't have monkey chatter going on in your brain and you're ignoring the words, our human brains are hardwired to read the emotional data fields of other humans. We're hardwired for it. And all we have to do is just be in silence and we'll know exactly what people are feeling. Right. And then the third step, yeah. which is where the secret sauce is, yeah. is to reflect back the emotional experience of the speaker with a simple you statement. You are angry. You don't ask a question, and you don't use an I statement. It's a simple, direct you statement. And you repeat the process until about 45 seconds, 90 seconds have gone by, or you get the speaker, the angry person saying, yeah, exactly, nodding their head, dropping their shoulders, and sighing in deep relief that somebody has finally listened to them. Right. And that, that will always, without fail, once you learn how to do it, without fail will calm any angry person down in seconds. It happens without fail because it's exactly the way the human brain is hardwired. And all of this is based on hard neuroscience. There's no myth here. Right. So, Doug, when just to clarify for... For the audience, when you talk about ignore the words, um, you know, I, I know for me, for what I have to do to ignore words when people are yelling at each other and me in a mediation or my husband says something that aggravates me, I know that I have to say to myself, this is really his issue. It's not mine. You know, it's his anger. I don't own it. But how... How do you get people to understand how to ignore when they feel it immediately? They're like their amygdala brain, right, taps in, and they're ready to fight or flight or f- flee, right? Well, that's, that's where the practice comes in and understanding the science behind it. Um, the practice is that you don't start de-escalating angry, person, angry people out of the box. You have to practice <laughs> this. It's like learning how to ride a bicycle. And you've got to start with training wheels. And then, and then slowly work your way up. 
to where you can actually de-escalate people. So it's not something, it's not, it's, you can master this in, in less than a couple of weeks if you really are diligent at it. But you just can't read the book and just do it. It's got to, you've got to practice it. And the, the way I tell people to practice is pick really safe, low-risk social situations where you can affect label somebody that's a complete stranger, and if you screw up, there's no risk of embarrassment. So what I tell people to do is if you're going into Starbucks in the morning, you get your latte, <laughs> look at the barista and say, hey, you're really happy this morning, kind of in that kind of tone of voice, and mm-hmm. watch what happens. Right. And over a period, if you do that every day, or, or you see somebody, some other stranger, hey, you look really happy today. Hey, you look a little stressed today. Yeah. You look like, you know, you look like you're a little tired. So any kind of reflection like that, where you're totally focused on every, anything but the words, you will get the reaction that, you're, that we want. It will become a self-affirming practice, and it will be, begin to become habitual. And then you can slowly start taking more risks. If you have small children, you can, you know, three, four, five, six-year-olds, they're really great to work on because you'll get immediate results from them. I would not do this on kids who are 12 to 15 because they're the most difficult. <laughs> right. But eventually you can, and it's extremely effective with them as well. And, then, and that's why I tell people don't do this on your spouse right away. Wait until you've got some practice and you've got some skill. Right. Um, but once you, start figu- once you start seeing the results, then you can't stop doing it because it's so powerful. You literally are listening people into existence in a way that they have never experienced before. Very powerful. And I love in your book you talk about really recognizing your own triggers and your own buttons because right. if if you can stay calm, like in the eye of the storm, then you're able to label them without saying, you're angry. You could say right. You know, you're angry. I see right. you're angry. And, 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 you know, I go into triggers to help people recognize why angry words will get them upset. But the reality is, but the, the the reality is, if you learn how to just pay attention to the emotions and ignore the words, then people can be spitting in your face angry, and mm-hmm. it won't bother you at all. You'll just remain perfectly calm. It's effortless. Right. It's right. literally effortless. And you talk about understanding your own emotions, which I think is really critical, right? I know for, I'm sure for you as well as me, when when we're sitting there and there's a lot of angry people in the room, we have to manage our own emotions because it's it's contagious. It really is. And so, well, the beauty, the beauty about all this is that once you start learning how to pay attention to people's emotional experience, you you are no you no longer get triggered yourself, right? Because you understand exactly what's going on. You've seen it before. There's nothing new here, and you have compassion for these angry people, and it makes you much much more powerful in in terms of helping them calm down so that they can solve their problems. Yeah. So let's let's give an illustration. Let's you and I try it, okay? Just just so sure. we can show my audience what we're doing, and then they can pick up your book and learn all the intricacies of it. Um, so let's uh, let's pretend that um, that we're spouses or something, okay? And um, I'm very angry at you because you leave your dirty clothes all over the place. And thank God my husband doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. He's right. really good. But my first husband did it, and he used to drive me crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to be your wife. Uh, all right, Doug? 
Go for it. Okay, Doug, I am so angry. You are always leaving your clothes all over the place, and then I have to clean it up. I have to get ready for work, and I'm furious about this. Amara, you feel you're really angry, and you feel deeply disrespected, and you feel like you're completely unsupported, and you even feel betrayed, and you get anxious because you've got other things to do, and you just don't have enough time to take care of everything, and it really makes you sad that there's no support there, and you, you, you kind of feel abandoned and unloved. That's exactly right. I appreciate that you're saying it, Doug. Then why do you do it? So you're really frustrated and confused because um, the problem seems to persist, and you really, you, you're, you're still really anxious and frustrated and angry about it, and you're just wondering if there's any possible solution. That's right. What is the solution? Good. Well, you're, you're still pretty angry and frustrated, and you still feel really deeply disrespected, and you really feel like, Whatever you hear, you're not going to believe because there's been so much betrayal on this issue in the past that it's just completely got you in a place where there is no solution. So what do you want to do about this? Well, (laughs) now we go into problem solving. Right, right. So will you pick up your clothes if I um, make dinner tonight? Let's let's do a quid pro quo. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that was so great. Point, yeah. The point being that no matter how inflammatory you are, like like for example, when you came across and said, "Well, what are we going to do about this?" Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a problem solving question. That's that's a that's a statement of anger. Right. And so I would never answer that question, not until you got calmed down. Right. Right. I would just stick with it and say you're still really angry and frustrated. And, and now people listening to this will say, "Whoa." This guy's interrupting. He's being rude. This will never work. And the fact of the matter is it does work as long as I use a you statement. As long as I'm reflecting back your frame of reference, you you feel listened to. You don't feel interrupted. In fact, so what was your experience? In that role? Well, I, I like the fact, and I think it, what was helpful is that you stayed calm and that you he- seemed to hear me. You heard my emotions. You heard my frustration. You heard what I was complaining about. And, um, and so I felt like, okay, um, you, you he's didn't feel me. like I was interrupting you, did I? No, I didn't feel like you were interrupting and me. I, and to the, to the listener, the, from a listener's perspective out there, you know, the audience, anybody in the audience is listening to this, it probably sounded like I interrupted you about 50 times, which I probably did. But to you, there was no interruption because I was focused on helping you process your own emotional experience. Right. When we affect label, in effect, what is happening is that I'm lending you my prefrontal cortex. You're so angry that your emotional centers have hijacked your prefrontal cortex. You can't process anymore. You can't engage in, this, in the process known as emotional categorization and granularization. So when I label your emotions for you, I'm literally processing your emotional information in a way that you can't that allows you then to calm down and right. figure everything out. I'm moving from my, my limbic system where I'm like ready to fight you all the time all the way back to the frontal, my left frontal lobe, to get well, more yeah, calm. I mean, it's yeah. a whole brain kind of thing. The, yeah. the idea that there's any one part of the brain that controls everything is a little bit too simplistic. It's a whole brain deal. Right. And, and so, but this process works on the whole brain to get, to get certain, certain neuronal patterns quieted down and other patterns activated. Right. 
And so, you know, a lot of people think that they're listening when they're really not listening. So let's, yeah, let's talk about what does it really mean to listen? You know, as mediators, we are, that's what we have to do all the time is really hear not just their words, but like you're talking about to really hear their emotions, really hear what's beyond that and be in that state of not thinking what we're going to say next. I know so often people, when I see them in mediation, they're ready. You know, I ask them, well, can you reflect back what, you know, what John just said? Can you help us understand that? Because I know what they're really doing is um, getting ready to give their argument instead. So can you talk to this a little bit? Well, yeah. Listening is a skill that has to be learned and mastered. We're not taught how to listen. We need to be taught how to listen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the old active listening stuff that came out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s was was based on a misunderstanding of the work of Carl Rogers. And it's, it's just total mythology. There's just no science there to support it. And there are a whole bunch of listening programs, I won't name them, but there are a whole bunch of listening projects and programs that have evolved over the years and have been touted as the next best thing, but it's all based on myth. And it's only in the last 10 years that there's been sufficient science to show how the brain processes this information that allows us to develop the skill sets that really constitute true listening. The secret is to remember that you are always listening from the speaker's frame of reference, never from your own. So you would never ask a question because the moment you ask a question, you are speaking from your own frame of reference, your own agenda, your own need to know. You would never use an I statement because whenever you use an I statement when listening, you are re- you're removing yourself from the speaker's frame of reference and talking about your own frame of reference. So listening... Listening, the kind of listening I'm talking about is not the kind of listening that we're trained as lawyers to do, for example, during um, examination of witnesses, for example, or in a deposition where you're asking questions and you're trying to gain information. That's a different kind of listening, Mm -hmm. and that is not the kind of listening we're talking about here. And, And even in that kind of listening, it's all about agenda. So when I was a trial lawyer, and you'll remember, you go in the courtroom, and I'm going to, my direct examination of a witness is designed to elicit a story from the witness that has probative value. And when I cross-examine somebody, it's to discredit the story that the person has told. Those are my agendas. I have no interest in what this person is really saying, other than as it furthers my own agenda in terms of proving, proving proving or discrediting the case. Right. And that is not the kind of listening that will work, ever work, in terms of calming people down so they can get into problem solving. Right. They just in get fact, very nervous and angry. skills are completely <laughs> counter to good listening. Right. Because it's not listening. It's right. It's a different kind of deal. Right. Well, when, when you're listening, uh, so give us an example. Um, I think you, what you did was you were listening to me when we did that little role play. You were right. listening to me and hearing me. And, um, and also being calm so you were hearing me and helping me to calm down so that you could hear me more, right? Uh, or that you could you could process your own emotions more deeply. Right, right, right. That's what was going on. Right. And so when we really hear someone or listen to someone, we have to have a sense of calm listening, right? 
Well, y- yes, you do, but it's not as hard. As, once you st- if you follow the rules, it's not as hard as you might think it is. Okay, so, so talk remaining, about the rules. If you just ignore the words, you'll remain calm. The moment you start paying attention to the words and get triggered, you're screwed. Right. So you have to learn how to ignore the words. That way you don't get triggered. You can remain calm, and then you can just reflect back from the speaker's frame of reference what, this, what the speaker is emo- experiencing emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a skill. Like I said, it's a skill to be learned. It's not something it's – not, it's not intuitive. It's actually very counterintuitive to just about everything – that we've been taught. But that's just one of those quirky things about our brains. There's so much about our brains that are just is absolutely blowing up assumptions about human behavior that have been made in Western culture. So help my audience understand, given that, um, help my audience understand the difference between a conversation when you're listening and the kind of listening that you're talking about. So in a typical conversation, just a social conversation, um, one person talks, and there's a turn-taking norm that says that when that, that I, don't get to, I don't get to talk until this person finishes. There's a pause. And then there's a turn-taking. Now it's my turn to talk. Mm-hmm. And so there's this back-and-forth process, and there are normative rules that we learn as children about not being rude and not interrupting. But when people are in conversation, if you listen to the conversation um, correctly, people are really not listening to each other. They're talking about themselves. And it's always me-centered. Not always, but most of the time it's Mm me-centered. So somebody says, gee, um, I I had this really crazy experience the other day. I was up in the mountains in a tree fell and almost crushed me or something something like that. And, yeah. and, and then the, 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 the other person might say, yeah, I had a really bad experience too, just <laughs> something like that a couple of years ago. I was up in Yosemite, a rock almost fell on me. <laughs> that would be a typical conversation. Notice how each person's talking about their own experience. Uh-huh. And they try to relate to each other by relating an experience they had that is similar to the experience the other person had. There's no listening going on there. Mm-hmm. There's only sharing of experiences, um, talking about me, and it's pretty superficial. And that's the way 90%, 98% of all communication is. When you truly listen, you are focusing on the speaker's frame of reference. So it says, I, went, I was up in the mountains and a tree fell over and almost crushed me. I said, wow, you were really scared. That made you really anxious. And you felt really relieved that you weren't hurt, but you were a little frightened because you don't know if it's going to happen again. Right. So you know, see the difference? Yeah, you're jumping into their shoes. I'm in there. I'm speaking. I'm listening from their frame of reference. Yeah. What are they experiencing right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is listening. That is not conversation. Right. Right. So I, I love in the book where you talk about how the skills that you have in this book, well, that the reader will experience five powerful transformations, which I think is really important for people to see. Um, The first one you talk about is that you'll gain insight that we are emotional, not rational beings. That's an important one. So that's the first intellectual shift that you make in this work. And what you learn is that Western philosophy (laughs) 
for the last 4,000 years is based upon myth. And that is that what distinguishes humans from other species is our rationality. It's, that's just not true. What distinguishes us from other, other species is our emotions. Hum, humans are the only ones that have a full panoply of emotional experience that allows them to communicate. And in fact, you can't even be rational unless you're emotional first. Mm. Because emotions make us pay attention to what's going on around us. And how would we even know that we had a problem that, apl- that required reasoning or critical thinking or other rational process unless we had an emotional experience that told us that there was a problem out there in the first place? So that's the first big transformation. And once you make that shift and recognize, hey, this person's just emotional, then all of that judgment about rationality and irrationality and all that stuff, it goes away. And it allows you to have deep compassion for everybody around you yeah. because you're recognizing they're, they're emotional. They're not rational. Right. And, and so are you. Yeah, each one of us. So, so what do you say, you know, just what just popped into my head as you were saying this and I was listening carefully um, what do you say when people say, oh, women are just too emotional? Especially we've heard this with the Me Too whole, uh, you know, brouhaha going on. So what do you say about that? Yeah. I, that is an example of what I call emotional invalidation. Right, which is the second one. <laughs> the form of emotional abuse that exists in our culture it happens everywhere. We do it to ourselves. We do it to our children. We do it to the people we love. It's emotionally abusive to do that sort of thing. To say, for example, Mar, you're just one of those emotional drama queen women. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's a huge insult and put down. It's incredibly disrespectful. And it's also emotionally bruising because rather than validate your emotional experience, I'm telling you that you have to deny what makes you human, mm-hmm. your emotions. And if you want to be a real human, you can't be emotional. Men have this problem in, in spades. You know, when you're, when, when you're a, a little boy at, at two years old and you fall and skin your knee and start crying, what are you told? Well, I, what was I told? You're man okay. Up. Don't you be don't, a man up. It doesn't right. hurt. You know, <laughs> don't cry. The pain will go away. I mean, every, you are in pain and a little shock and you're startled and nobody is there validating your emotional experience. In fact, what you are told is to stop being emotional. And you are fed that diet of abuse all the way into adulthood. And can you imagine the 15-year-old boy who gets interested in a girl who's fed that diet of emotional invalidation? He's going to be a train wreck with a girl. He can't possibly be emotionally available for her because he's been trained to hide from his emotions. Exactly. I see this all the time in the prisons. And it's such a huge, huge transformation for the, inma- the life inmates that I work with. When they realize that they, can, they are emotional beings and that everything they've been taught is totally wrong. And once they are liberated from that idea and learn not to emotionally invalidate, they completely change as human beings. It's the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed. And it happens every single time. You know, I love that. And, you know, we've talked about the first two, but I want to switch because you just brought up about your Prison of Peace project. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have just a couple minutes, and I really want you to be able to share with us what you're doing because it's something that I just honor um, all that you're doing. So since, just tell us quickly. Yeah, since 2010, my colleague and I, my colleague Laurel Copper, who's a, a mediator uh, now, <laughs> Prison of Peace person, <laughs> co founder with me. Uh, have have developed a, a, a 
comprehensive, rigorous curriculum to teach long-term and life inmates to be mediators and peacemakers in prisons. And we've, we've, we're doing this in 10 California prisons. Uh, we've just opened up in uh, a level four prison in Connecticut. And we have a colleague who has got four prisons going in Greece. Um, it's possible we might even end up in Andorra or in Barcelona. Um, there's some pretty strong inquiries there. And basically what we do is take life inmates, we start teaching them basic skills like the de-escalation skills, then we teach them, give them some advanced training in peacemaking, and then ultimately we train them how to become mediators. And then we also train them to be trainers because our model of sustainability is that if you're a life inmate, you're going to move from serving a life sentence to living a life of service training other inmates who are not serving life sentences how to be peacemakers so that when they're released back into their communities, they go back as peacemakers, not as gangbangers. I love it. That's beautiful. Well, we are we, out of time. So can we um, have your website where you talk about that? And then I'll say the name of your book. D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L.com. Really simple. And uh, there's all kinds of information there about my work and how to get a hold of me. DougNoll.com. And this beautiful book, Deescalate. How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less by Doug Knoll and DougKnoll.com. Thank you, Doug. Just keep in touch, and we'll have you back again, okay? Okay, Mara. Great conversation. Thank great. you very much. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at ConflictHealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day.